This weekend, you will hear the gospel of the feeding of the multitudes, according to the Gospel of Luke. That's the story of the five loaves and the two fish. What has always stood out for me is that Jesus tells the apostles, you give them something to eat. And I am mentioning this because the working document for the Synod on the Amazon is now out. And perhaps some of you are wondering why we're even having a Synod on the Amazon. Past Synods have been on the Word of God, on the family, and on young people and vocational discernment. But now there's a Synod on the Amazon? But to me that makes sense. This part of the world is vital for the survival of the planet. So there are environmental concerns, there are also justice concerns, and there are also people who live there who are very isolated. They too need pastoral care. They too need the Eucharist. And the Pope is directing us to look at these issues and these peoples and consider giving them something to eat. How do we do that? What are their specific needs? Caring for the Amazon is not just about natural ecology. It's also about the human ecology. Remember Laudato Si? Everything is gift, everything is connected, and everything is fragile. And so, we go to the Amazon. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I, want, I, I really know you were going to do. do I knew you were going to do that voice. Um, try to. Emily's not here. Uh, yeah. She's on vacation. Oh, yeah, she's in Europe. So, but Allison is going to be with us. Great with our news. So Allison Great. is going to sit in and give us give us the news. Um, just say hello to all the people who are listening to us uh, while they're driving. Uh, maybe listening to it on on Sirius XM Radio. Um, all our shows are archived because you might not get to listen to the whole show. Yeah. Thanks to the work of Billy on our website. Thank you very much. People can go to the website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and listen to the show. You can also download the show on iTunes. Yes, iTunes and Google. And Google Play Music. Yeah. Google Music. Google Music. Google, Google Play Music. Google Play yeah. Music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so just look for The Salt and Light, our uh, Catholic podcast. Um, and I, I forgot last week, but to remind people that if they want to go to the Holy Land, to Israel, Palestine, and Jordan. With you. With me, exactly. Um, <laughs> I want. Maybe I really if Billy want. was going, more people would want to go. Uh, I don't know. I think if we, you know, all of us, the three of us. That would be if fun. If three of us can go. We could go, do like a salt and light hour trip to the Holy Land. In the Holy Land. That would be great. And we can broadcast from the Holy Land. That would be yeah. fun. But anyway, that's not what's happening. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe uh, another time. But this year, November 20th to December 1st, uh, come to the Holy Land with me. Visit us at saltandlighttv.org to learn more. It would be great to, to have you come with us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so on the show today, Allison is going to bring us the news. And then Mark Matthews is going to be with us to tell us what's good in Hollywood. He has lessons. This is for you, Billy. What is it? On how to be famous. How to be famous? Without losing your faith. Um, so how to be you, famous and faithful. So you should interview me. Uh, okay, <laughs> maybe maybe you should stick around, listen to Mark Matthews 10 minutes from now um, and learn about how to be famous yeah. without losing your faith. And then we can interview you and see how you do it. And be, no, no I, I need to be more humble first. That, you know? yeah, yeah, I have a yeah. feeling he might talk, talk about being yeah, humble. Yeah. Anyway, and then, and then we have Church for Dummies. Yes, today. Uh, What's I, the question I have, today? The question will be about mass. Okay, I mean, haven't we mass. done a lot of questions we, about the mass no, already? No, no, no. There's something there's more about questions about the mass. More questions. We we always have questions as Catholic, right? Yeah. And that's how we search for faith. Yeah. Right? Okay. 
So yeah. question a question about the mass uh, with Billy in about 15 minutes or so. Um, and then have you ever heard of Homeboy Industries? Homeboy Industry? Okay, so there's a book mm. right in front of you here. Oh, okay. No, and I, I, I well, our listeners can't see the book. But, I, I uh, can see it. It's a beautiful coffee table book with lots of beautiful pictures. pictures. So Billy likes it. It's got yeah, lots of pictures. White. Black and white photographs, beautiful, and lots of great stories of people. These are uh, former gang members in, wow. in Los Angeles. So um, Homeboy Industries, for people that don't know, uh, it's a ministry that provides hope, training, and support for former gang involved and previously incarcerated men and women in Los Angeles. So they're a real gang, gang member. Yeah, yeah. Well, former. Yeah, okay. they're no longer in the gangs. So there's this priest, Father Greg Do uh, Boyle, Father Greg Boyle, Jesuit uh -huh. priest, who uh, um, started this ministry uh, many years ago, 30 years ago. To what? To to spread good news to them? Yeah, to help to help to help, to them? help them get get their lives back. Oh, to get to out of again, the gang. To get out of the gangs mm -hmm. and and uh, and just move on. Um, they're celebrating 30 years, 30 years, and so this book is is in celebration of that 30th anniversary. Wow. Um, the the woman who wrote the book, Alison Fogg Carlson, uh -huh. um, uh, she compiled the book, spent some time there with 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 the with the people at the Homeboy Industries, and so we're going to be speaking with Alison Fogg Carlson later on in the program. Um, it's a beautiful trip. I know you're looking at the picture. I'm beautiful, looking at the picture. Beautiful tribute to uh, to the work of Father Greg Boyle uh, there with uh, those. Because all the faces are like very typical. They are normal person. They yeah. are. Yeah. They are. Yeah, they yeah, are yeah. normal people who've had different circumstances. Yeah. Um, we're gonna put some photos uh, on our website so you That's can great. see you can see yeah. them uh, a little bit and then uh, stick around in about 25 minutes. We're gonna be speaking with Allison Fogg Carlson who who uh, wrote the book and put the book together. Um, again, that's in our second half hour in about 25 minutes. And then at the end of the show, guess what, Billy? Guess what? A singer. <laughs> oh, We got song. more music, right? So we're going to meet a new singer-songwriter, another one. Her name is Dana Catherine. Um, Dana is from Ra Raleigh, North Carolina, um, and she has just released her second album. So we're very happy to be able to meet her and to feature her on the show. So why don't we start with a song? As usual. Here's Dana Catherine with My Savior in Me from her new album, Nothing in the World. Tell me, Lord, tell me, Lord, how can it be that you would choose to use someone like me? Someone like me. Couple billion people in this world, yeah, you have chosen to use somebody so unworthy. I'm just another pen you're putting to the paper
was Dana Catherine with My Savior in Me from her new album, Nothing in the World. And we're going to be speaking with Dana Catherine in about 30 minutes. But first, here now is Allison with our news. Hi. Thank hey, you Pedro. For, Hello, thank you, everybody Thank you for listening. sitting in uh, for Emily today. Yes, no worries at all. Emily is on vacation, so we yes. wish her well while she's in Europe. So... The headlines I bring to you today, the first one, is actually a piece of fake news. I just wanted to make it clear in case anybody had heard on social media um, earlier this week that Pope Benedict XVI did – Pope Emeritus Benedict did not have a stroke. Things started appearing on Facebook and Twitter on Monday the 17th, wishing him well. And it turns out that it can be traced back to a a priest who just, I guess he'd heard some fake information. So he didn't even have a stroke because I thought he had the stroke, but but that he was fine. No, people were saying he he had a stroke. stroke. Some people were saying he's on his deathbed, but no, 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 apparently he's totally fine. And so the Holy See Press Office just said it's it's business as usual for him. And then also in this past week in news, um, probably the big headline has been that the working document for this fall's special synod on the Amazon um, is out. So a lot of people are diving into that and analyzing it. Mm -hmm. And you even touched on that in your your opening. Um, Really, the highlights for people to know are that because that region's a hub of biodiversity, Mm -hmm. it's also uh, very important for the survival of the planet, but also an area where sort of the, the worst of human greed and sin comes out. So there's been a lot of exploitation of that land. It also has a lot of um, pastoral issues, especially related to the church being spread really thin there. And also um, there's different indigenous groups, issues with um, pastoring people in urban areas versus rural areas. Um, And the big thing that's been coming out in a lot of headlines is that the document asks for a discussion on looking into the possibility of in very remote areas mm-hmm. or possibly ordaining married men to the priesthood, yes. but only in that specific context in those very remote areas. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of people are sort of outraged about this idea, um, but clerical celibacy is not a doctrine. Nope. It's considered a discipline. Yep. And we have to remember the Eastern Rite churches that are in full communion with Rome, mm-hmm. they allow for mm-hmm. married clergy. And in the earliest years of the church, they were mostly married priests. Absolutely. So this is not something that has never existed before. No. And it would only be in this one mm-hmm. small context if it did happen yes. at all. There's yes. also calls in the document for um, developing potentially a more defined role for women in that specific mm-hmm. circumstance. Yes. Because as we were talking about earlier before we went on air, there are areas where people only get the Eucharist once a year, if even yes. that, because they're so remote. This is an area that's huge in terms of its geography and its topography can make yes. it difficult for people to to be reached. Mm-hmm. So it's really about how do we create new paths for the church to thrive that still honor church tradition, but perhaps given the circumstance need to be 
need to be, I don't know, what's the word, maybe massaged a yeah. little or they things need to respond to the signs of the times. Yes. Yeah. So that I was thinking is very, very interesting. Yes, it is. And then people have probably heard a lot about what's going on in Hong Kong. Christian leaders and advocates in Hong Kong are continuing to warn that um, if an extradition law does go through, um, extradition from Hong Kong to mainland yes. China, it could really endanger Christians. Right. So I wasn't 100% sure what was going on with this um, particular area of the world. I don't know a whole lot about Hong Kong other than it used to be a British possession and then it was given over to mainland mm-hmm. China, I think in 1997. Yeah. Yes. Um, but we have some uh, colleagues who are from Hong Kong here, you and I. Billy. And were, yes. yeah, Billy and <laughs> Billy, who's on the <laughs> yes. show in addition to several several others. And they were telling me how... Um, Often, if you have ideas that don't agree with what the the party line is of the Chinese government, you can be taken without yeah, warning yeah. or you can be imprisoned. Yes. And that if Hong Kong doesn't have a formal agreement yes. with the mainland Chinese government, you could you could have complete loss of freedom of speech in Hong Kong. Absolutely. And a lot of people go there to Hong Kong and migrate there or leave there because they want their freedom of speech guarded. Yes. So, um, you know, the, there was a gentleman I was reading, uh, he was put in prison for eight months for selling books critical of the government yep. and that um, he was kidnapped illegally. And so he's saying, you know, if Hong Kong continues with this law yeah. and if it does go through in future, they could abduct he, their critics yes. legally. So yeah. people who even just are Catholics. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. The, so the bill was suspended from um, being talked about yes. in the government on June 15th, but it's unclear what's going to happen in future. Yeah. So um, we just, you know, prayers go to our brothers and sisters in Hong Kong for sure. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll, we'll hear more about that. And I'm, I'm eager to hear more from the bishops in Hong Kong mm-hmm. as to how this may or may Absolutely. not affect Catholics in Hong Kong. Thank you, Alison Kenny. No problem. Associate producer here at Salt and Light mm-hmm. TV. She's sitting in for Emily Callan. You can follow her at the Allison Kenny. Coming up is our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, with What's Good in Hollywood, tips on how to be famous and still be faithful. There you go, Allison. So <laughs> stay tuned. Hey, guys, it's Charles Gonzalez from Epic the Fan, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You want to contact us? Email radio at saltandlighttv.org or look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook. Also on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM, or you can send a direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Welcome back to the program. Um, Thank you. We're finally having... Pleasure to be here as always. Yes, always good to have you. And uh, I know you're in California, uh, but I know that you were uh, not a Golden State Warrior fan. You were a Raptors fan all the way. I definitely was not. I was very happy to be representing Toronto and rummed it into all my American friends down here. There you go. It was it was a good party. I didn't go. I didn't even watch it on TV, but I heard about it. It was a good good party on Monday here. In, I, I wish in I Toronto. wish I could have been there for it. Yeah, so. it was it was good stuff. And so so those guys, that's our famous basketball team now. And you have tips on how to be famous uh, famous without losing your faith. He's right. How to be famous and faithful. So uh, these Toronto Raptors are going to need to know this. They will. Um, yeah. 
So, so I have been here for you know a long time, and yeah. uh, I have met my fair share of celebrities, and yeah. I can say that I even call some C-listers my friends. Uh-huh. You know, maybe not Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie or anything no. like that, but uh, people other. you would see on TV. Yes. And so it's given me enough kind of data points, you know, to watch them and see, well, how do you keep your faith and be famous? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is possible. So I thought, hey, let's, let, why don't I share some of these best practices? I shared before a couple of years ago about how to be friends with someone famous. Yes. And there's surprisingly, there's a lot of good, good wisdom there, even for you and I who will most likely never be famous or never have a chance to be friends with someone who's famous. I don't know about you, but I'm already famous. But, it, <laughs> but I know, I, I know faithful, you are faithful. Trying to be faithful. Trying so, to be. So okay, good. Really, this, this is directed at you. All, at at me, here, yes. So. No, everybody wants to yes. be famous. So, uh, so give, us, give, it, give it to us. Okay, so number one, I, it is very hard to keep your faith and be famous. Mm-hmm. I, I say get ready for battle. Uh, this is not going to be the easy life. You're going to have to fight very hard to keep your sanity and your sanctity. Hmm. And the best way that I can always kind of describe what happens is think of your teenage years and how maybe you were or someone you knew was the first to get their driver's license. Yeah. And ask yourself, or you were probably asking yourself saying, well, are they my friends because they really want to be friends with me or because I have my driver's license or a car to get around with? Right. And you just think about how that incredibly small thing can distort our friendships and relationships. Uh-huh. Well, take that same effect but multiply it by a thousand yeah. and, and, and you've got fame. Yes. And, and it's, just, it's just ridiculous. You don't live in a real world because nobody treats you like mm-hmm. a normal real person or you don't have real relationships. Yeah, true. And so you need to find ways to bring, bring yourself down to the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, Catholicism is very much about reality and the real world. Right. Um, and so one of the things that I've seen, you know, some the, the rare, non-common, faithful, famous person is you need to subjugate yourself to penance and fasting. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is not vanity fasting, just so you can look good, you know, for the <laughs> South Beach diet or something like that, but yeah. spiritual fasting. Hmm. And you, it, yeah. it, it's, just, it's just kind of like, I don't know, put it in a really kind of dumb way. It's just like, life is so amazing when everyone loves you, and it's kind of like, no, there's suffering, and you have to be brought down to, you know, the real, true nature of the world. Um, and and we've got to experience that suffering to keep us grounded in reality. And and yeah. so that that is kind of like the first thing is like, yeah, your life might be awesome, but you're gonna have to find ways to make it not so awesome. Exactly, keep you humble. Yep. yep. Exactly, keep you humble. That's maybe the best way that I that I can say. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, a lot of these celebrities that I know, they have very good spiritual direction. Mm. Find a reliable spiritual director. And, and, and I would even venture to say that not even every priest is automatically going to be, you know, a good spiritual director for a famous person. Find hmm. someone maybe who has worked with other famous people, and they kind of know the pitfalls. Even priests are, you know, can get sucked into right. fame of like, oh, I know this person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. Another thing is the sacramental life. Uh, avail yourself of the sacraments. Um, and this is going to be particularly hard because as a famous person, you tend to want to avoid the public. Right. Um, the parish where I go to, uh, Gwen Stefani goes semi-regularly, and then there's a, a crew of paparazzi on the sidewalk really? following her in. Yeah. Um, but 
famous Catholic celebrities. I've heard, I, I just talked to someone in New York, and they're like, oh, yeah, we saw Jim Gaffigan at Mass. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that is awesome. And yeah. not only was he going to Mass, but he was, like, participating in some of the parish events and everything. Yeah. So see, it, you're going to have to kind of find your community and mm-hmm. find people who aren't going to treat you like a celebrity. Right. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, next is your prayer life. You know, I, I've kind of heard from people, and it's like, no, they—, they it, Again, you said you have to keep yourself humble. You have to pray. You, you could think of it as a very hip Hollywood, like, oh, mindfulness or meditation. Mm-hmm. But no, this is like, just do classic Christian mental prayer. Mm-hmm. What you got to do. Good prayer. The, yeah. So so those are the most important spiritual aspects. And, and honestly, like, I say them, and it's like, oh, well, come on. Every one of us has to go through those. And it's kind of like... Yeah, just as a celebrity, you're going to have to experience those tenfold yes, more. absolutely. Um, on top of that, um, you're going to get other practical things. It seems like everyone around you wants to betray your trust. Hmm. Um, even if you're just like, and if, like I've heard stories of like, you know, Bob Hope's widows, one of their caretakers, you know, leaked photos of her to the National Enquirer, you know, and it's like, yeah. well, yeah, we hear about those things all the time, but if you are that person... Like, just think about how hellish that makes your life. Like, yeah. you can't trust anyone around you. Yes. Um, and something that I've seen a lot of these celebrities do, and th- this goes for the faithful and the not-so-faithful, is they make their family a priority. Like, they, they might say, okay, what, you can pick on me, you can leak photos of me, but if you mess with my family, like, I'm, you know, I'm bringing out the big guns. I'm going to mm-hmm. do every paparazzi who, like, you know. And so there seems to be kind of at least a bit of a, like, understanding of like yeah we, we won't mess with your family yeah that's um, good advice and then and then the last thing is that uh, you know like you still have to have friendships and relationships um the book of Sirach says may your acquaintances be many but your confidant one in a thousand mm-hmm. and uh that's very true if if you are a celebrity you know like you're going to know a lot of people obviously but. but the number of people that you really confide in you know they're very protected and they keep that you know, very that circle of people very close. Yes. And they're very trusted people. And so. make yeah, and make sure you have a few good close friends that you can trust. Absolutely. That's great. So if you're a celebrity and you need spiritual direction, I know a really good deacon that would that that is not interested oh, in oh. knowing famous people, but he would be great uh, uh, great help with spirit, spiritual direction. You are. No, I don't care who you are. Um and and I'm <laughs> happy to be friends with uh, Mark Matthews, who's undercover. Yeah, yeah even Lowly undercover me. Undercover know, Mark Matthews. Okay, that's very good advice for people who want to be famous, uh, to not lose their faith, uh, stay humble, find spiritual direction, keep uh, your sacramental life alive and prayer life, and uh, and uh, have uh, good close friends. Okay, thank you, yeah. Mark Matthews. There you have it. How to be famous and You're still be very faithful. Very welcome. Thank you, Mark God Matthews. Bless. Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. You can follow him at HU Missionary. Hi, everyone. I'm Corey Marie, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can join me in the Holy Land, November 20th to December 1st. Contact me at Deacon Pedro GM or go to saltandlighttv.org to find out all the details. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan, who has another question about the mass. Yes, the mass, because um, a lot of, I, I think it's a, the minimum thing you need to do as a Catholic 
he is to go to mass, go every, to Sunday. mass every Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the minimum thing. Yes. I, I will say. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Uh, that of course there's some somebody just doing CEO, which is you know Christmas oh, or Christmas Easter and only. Yes. But uh, yeah, you know Sunday mass. Yes. But um, I I have a, uh, people actually asking me this kind of question, like why not going to mass is considered a sin. Mortal sin. It's a mortal sin too. Yeah. So you you do not need to. It's big deal. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So why? Ten, third commandment. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> I, okay. Then you know when I when I just walk into the studio, I just ask you to not telling me. <laughs> it's because of the third commandment. Yes, I know. We all we all know. Keep holy the Sabbath day. Yeah. But why? Why we need to do it? You know what? It's a, like it's every every single one. Well, you're right. It's a very good question. We're not talking about Sunday, right? We are also talking about solemnities. Yes, all the obligation. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Why? Um, here's what I'm going to say, and this is probably the maybe not the only reason, but the reason that I think makes the most sense for me. Um, here you have Jesus. Uh huh. Okay. Imagine Jesus is sitting next to you, Billy, and Jesus says to you, Billy, I'm going to be with you present with you for one hour every Sunday, would you come? Yes. Okay. But when you don't go to Mass, you're saying, I don't care if Jesus is there and he's present for me, I'm not going to go. I'd rather go play soccer. That's why it's sin. But and it's a pretty serious sin because okay, again, you're actually saying no to Jesus. This, this, okay. Yes. But again, isn't it Jesus everywhere? No matter what we not go. Not in the same way. Okay. Not in the same way. Um, Jesus is there uh -huh. everywhere, uh -huh. but Jesus is physically present in the Eucharist in a way that he's not physically present everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no so other way to describe it. Yeah. So he's saying, you, I'm, I'm going to be here physically present so that you can be integrated fully with me because you can eat me. And you're saying, no, I'd rather sleep in or I'd rather go to brunch or I'd rather... So can, can, I, can I just reword a little bit? You know, yes. that Does it mean that if you don't go to Mass, that means you reject the invitation yes. of Jesus? You are. You're saying then no to Jesus. When you reject God... You're, you're rejecting God. This That's, is actually a sin. Yes. It's actually a definition of sin yes. that you reject God. Absolutely. You got it. God. Wow. Absolutely. That's it. I answered my own question now. Absolutely. See, you're... Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, you have to do... For it to be mortal sin, you have to do it knowingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to do it intentionally. So you mm -hmm. have to do it on purpose. Yeah. Right? So most of the time, people that don't go to Mass... They don't know what they're doing. They don't okay. really understand why it's a sin to not but go to Mass. But now people who listen to this show, they know. But even <laughs> if they've listened to the show and they understand and they've they've heard us have this conversation, if they don't really understand it because mm -hmm. they don't maybe don't have a special connection to the... Yeah. I mean, I'm not justifying and giving you permission to, to not go to Mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, but yeah, so, so, so you have to do it on purpose. You have to do it in intentionally. You have to... Uh, um, and, and and understand what you're doing so for, what, it, for what, it to be sin. Okay, so what should I do if you know the, if I go to a trip? So there's no uh, uh, church or no yeah. no actual Catholic mass there. What should I do? Y you should try to go to mass. Yeah. But but if you can't, you can't. Um, if people have to work on Sundays, a lot yeah. of people work Saturdays and Sundays, and they cannot go to mass. They're excused because they working is important. The church is not telling you, don't mm -hmm. go to work and go to Mass. Um, you have to support your family. 
uh, but maybe you can go to a daily mass yeah. during the week. It's not the same. The obligation is not daily mass, but at least you can do that instead. If you're traveling, it's the same thing. Maybe you weren't able to go to mass, but you were able to go to b- visit the basilica and light yeah. a candle and spend some time there. Maybe you know, okay, um, okay, or 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 something else that you were able to do. So I'm mm. actually a big uh, a guilty of that because uh-huh. most of the time when I've been traveling. It's very difficult. Yes. To to find mass or to go on Sunday or it's in a different language and you know like and especially you know when you when you travel with non-Catholic. Yes. No. Yes. My family. Some of my family's members are not Catholic, so yes. you do. It, yeah, exactly. So so nobody's saying, uh, you know, have a fight with your mother-in-law and go to mass. <laughs> But do everything. We should do everything we can uh-huh. to try to honor that invitation yeah. mm-hmm. because we've been invited and Jesus is waiting. Okay. There you go, Billy Good. Chan. Thank that's, you for telling. That's why you should go to mass on Sunday. Yes, I, I always go. You always go. Always Billy go. Chan I love going mass. to mass every Sunday and every holy day of obligation. And when he's not doing that, he's the webmaster here <laughs> at Salt and Light <laughs> TV. You can follow him at B Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, Walking in Grace with gangs in East L.A., and we meet singer-songwriter Dana Catherine. So stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. In 1988, a Jesuit priest, Father Gregory Boyle, would ride his bicycle throughout East Los Angeles, trying to convince young men to leave the gangs. This was the beginning of Homeboy Industries, a place where gang members are welcomed unconditionally and can find the hope to begin again. Today, Homeboy Industries is the largest gang intervention program in the world. Alison Fogg Carlson walked into Homeboy Industries in 2015. The result of that first encounter is a beautiful book of photos and stories titled Walking in Grace, commemorating 30 years of Homeboy Industries. To learn more, I spoke with Alison Fogg Carlson earlier this week. Alison, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So we know that you went to Homeboy Industries in 2015. We know that Father Greg Boyle invited you to, but how did you end up even meeting him and being invited uh, to to see what he was doing? I met um, Father Greg in Hawaii. I heard him speak, and he's a very powerful speaker, if um, anyone's ever heard him speak. Right. And I was moved, and I had completed a book on Winston Churchill um, that um, was very similar to a sort of a, a vision that I had for Homeboy Industries with former gang members uh-huh. and quotes of Father Boyle. And I approached him on that, and he loved the idea, and we decided to create my book that I've created for the 30-year anniversary interesting. of Homeboy. So interesting. So you had the concept of the book before you even had visited Homeboy Industries. I had the concept of what I had created with With, with the Churchill. previous book, yeah. However... I didn't think that I would ever be able to photograph the faces or get to the true story or even gain the trust of the former gang members. Right. And what unfolded was that they let me photograph them, their faces. I captured their eyes. Right, yes. And their stories and their hearts and their souls. And it, it was remarkable. Absolutely. How much trust they gave. 
to me and how, how honest and authentic they are with their stories. Yeah, it's very interesting because I was going to ask you why you decided that this was the best format to tell that story, but I think you just did, you just told us. Um, there's something about the photos and the stories. I mean, it's hard to describe here on the radio um, because it's it's like a, can I call it a coffee table style book? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Um, hardcover, beautiful photos, lots of stories and quotes um, of people that you met. Because this is not just you. I don't get the sense, Allison, that you, that you objectively as an outside observer were going in to, to do a book. That you actually got to meet these people, men and women. Tell me about these men and women that you met. Well, each and every one of them opened up their hearts and their souls and their stories and shared with me so someone asked me, which is your favorite former gang member? And I yes. can't answer that because they're all individual stories. They're right. all become sort of family to me, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't ever decide who's more important or you love more. No. But each and every one of them invited me into their homes, into their hearts, and right. they told me their stories. And some of them are so shaking that yes. you, you don't quite know how they can even say and utter the words. But yes. they do. And I find that, to some degree, it's very healing for them did, to say it. Did you, because obviously... And for someone to listen. Yeah. Obviously, you had heard about Homeboy Industries before you met Father Boyle. And, and, and how was it? Did you expect something different when you finally visited and got to see exactly what was going on there? The first time I went in, I was actually as scared... Were you? As I think everyone that was waiting for an audience with Father Boyle. Yeah. I come from a completely different background, um, and I just sort of sat there, and all of these homies were sitting there waiting for an audience. Right. And they're all trying to get off drugs, come out of jail, be welcomed into Homeboy, be opened-armed by a hug from Father Boyle. Mm -hmm. And I was in exactly the same feeling. And um, he's just so embracive. They all are so, they just embrace you. Right. They through all their transitions, it, it it's it's really remarkable. They, it's just embracing a diversity, and it, you always feel like you're just connected to a greater humanity. Hmm. T- tell me, were, are there any particular stories that really stood out for you in putting the book together? Well, a few of them, for certain. Yeah. Um, Slam, um, who lives in Berkeley, very close to where I live. Yeah. Is now in theological university with oh, his wow. son. Oh wow. Wow. And he was gifted um, through scholarship uh, home, and it was the first time he'd not been homeless in his entire life. Hmm. And he has a son with him, and his son's going to school, and they're doing so well. But mm. I get to see them rather regularly. Um, right. We'll go out for pizza, or I take them to yeah. the Churchill movie. Nice. When I first met him, he said to me, I often wonder where does one find the strength to change when life is lived so close to the pavement. Mm-hmm. And that is just for someone to change so radically from the pavement to where he is today in theological university is mm-hmm. impressive. But yes. I find them all impressive. Yes. Um, Day, who just sang me her song, she couldn't speak it to me. She took me outside and we were under a freeway and she just sang me her song. Yeah. And that was just powerful and I shall never forget that. Did you? F- all very compelling stories. Yeah. Were you at all surprised at how welcoming they were? I mean, we know that Father Greg is welcoming, 
but at how some of these men and women were, despite their difficulties and challenges and, and, and histories, that they were also very welcoming and willing to be vulnerable with you. I was very surprised. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised that I could take photographs of them. I didn't think because of former gang lines that, that they would want to be that exposed. Mm -hmm. But I do think that um, the fact that I had Father Greg's blessing yes. gave them the confidence or the trust in me to right. know that they could trust and, and confident with me. Yeah, well, they certainly trust him. Um, oh, they do. We all do. Yeah, I know. And you know what? And I can I can think, well, it's been 30 years, so he's got a, a history and a legacy. So, of course, that, that trust grows out of that. But he must have been that way from day one. What is it about this man, Father Gregory, um, Father G, all the names that I can't Well, he has a, a variety right? of names. Right? A variety of names that he's called. Um, G-Dog. G-Dog, exactly. Dad. Um, <laughs> what is it about this man that makes him so um i guess i don't know that, that, that i guess makes him vulnerable to the young men and women i guess they're not all young that that he serves i think the fact that he walks alongside them mm -hmm. you know that he would get on a bike and not be afraid of them and, and get on and understand them and, tr and they trusted him and they would come with him to his stories and he didn't take it anywhere else he didn't take it to the police Right. or anything. They just completely have trusted him. And when some of these people were in prison, they would hear about that and they'd hear about him. Right. So they knew when they came out that they had a safe haven to go to. Right. And he would protect them and help them. Mm -hmm. And he does. And But he is also very, not hard on them, but he's he's tough. It's, it's tough love. You know, he yeah. doesn't, it's not like he's just sitting there, you know, oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. I've heard him speak harshly. Don't do that. Yes. Know, and things like that. So yeah. he's really like a really strong, powerful father figure yeah. to them, one that they've ne probably never had before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To me, these people were offered a first chance. They never had. People talk about a second chance. They never had a first. And even had, yeah. Well, for people that maybe are completely not familiar with the situation in, in Los Angeles or East L.A., how bad is the gang problem in East L.A.? Well, it was bad back in 1988 when he started his work. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, you know, it's 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 definitely still exists for certain, um, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Yeah, I guess because of the work of Homeboy Industries. Homeboy, and it's more the awareness and people talking and right. people accepting more. You know. Yeah, I'm very yeah very curious that he chose to call it Homeboy Industries and not Homeboy Ministries, which is what I thought it was called. Um, and I guess that adds to the to the respect that he has for the people that he's serving, that he's not doing, it's not a ministry. He, he's actually, it's an industry where they can get work and, and be employed and, and uh, make a difference. And I think that's part of his mission is yeah. it's, um, you know, it's, it's jobs, not jail. Right. Jobs, not jail. If you give someone a job, they've got a better likelihood of, you know, right. continuing on the path of healing. Yeah. Um, Allison, that's all the time we have. We didn't credit the, pho the photographer, so the, all the photos. So it's a beautiful, beautiful book, uh, photographs by Michael Colopy. And uh, the book was written by you. And, of course, yep. there's a lot of Father Gregory Boyle in, in the book, as, as well as uh, of a lot of the young men and women that uh, work with him and that have... Uh, been served by him. Thank you for doing this, for celebrating the work, that is wonderful work that is being done 
um, in a place that is it true that it's now called Boyle Heights? Is it named after Father Greg? Yes. That's no, it's wonderful. not named after him. Oh, it's not <laughs> named after him. Okay. No. <laughs> but it could be. Anyway. I know. Um, well, yeah. Thank you for... It'll for, be remembered for him. Thank it will be remembered. No, thank you for sharing a little bit about this wonderful place with us today. Thank you kindly. That was a conversation I had with Alison Fogg Carlson earlier this week. Her book, Walking in Grace, about homeboy industries, is published by Fogg Books. You can get it at fogbooks.com. I'm going to put that uh, link on our site so you can find it easily, saltonlighttv.org. If you want to learn more about homeboy industries and the work of Father Greg Boyle, go to homeboyindustries.org. And to listen to this interview again, or to listen to the rest of the program, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Dana Catherine, with I Will Follow from her new album, Nothing in the World. You show me the next step, never the whole road. You are my compass, you show me where to go. So easy to say, much harder to do Lord, I will trust in you I will trust in you, my God
next step, never the whole road. You are my compass, you show me where to go. That was Dana Catherine with I Will Follow from her new album, Nothing in the World. Dana Catherine is just 25 years old and hails from Raleigh, North Carolina, but travels across the United States, hoping to encourage and inspire others with her songs and witness. In 2015, she independently released her first album, Glorious Horizons, and then signed with Rekindle Records and released her first single, My Savior in Me, that we heard at the beginning of the program. Uh, Last year, Dana released her second album, Nothing in the World, which we've been listening to. So it's a great pleasure to have Dana Catherine join me now. Dana, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I know. So a question that I always ask people when they come on the show, because I'm always interested in knowing how you got to where you are. So what was it like growing up for you? Did you grow up in, in North Carolina? I, yeah, so I was born in New Jersey, lived there until about 13, and then my family moved to North Carolina, and so I kind of spent a lot of my formative years in North Carolina, yeah. went to high school, college there. Catholic um, family? My family was, oh, yeah. yes, I was, yep, a cradle Catholic, and my family, I mean, we went to Mass every single Sunday, and yeah. my parents were always involved in teaching, you know, Sunday school and, and CCD, all of that, um, okay. so we were a very strong Catholic family, and I... Uh, Always loved God, always loved my faith, especially because of my parents. Right. Lots so. of uh, uh, brothers, sisters? I only have one brother, okay. and he's like two years younger than me, okay. so we're pretty close. Nice, nice. And were you, was it a musical household? Were you doing like piano lessons at age you know five? What? Yeah, so it's funny because none of my family and even my extended family, like none of them are musical really? whatsoever. Nobody really? sings, nobody plays any instruments. Wow. Um, but I did get... Uh, piano lessons when I was like in kindergarten, but <laughs> I was so annoying. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to practice. Yeah, I was the and same. So I just never yeah. practiced. Yeah, I never yeah. practiced. Who and wants so to practice? So we just stopped that. Right. We stopped that. Um, but I started writing songs when I was like in middle school. I don't even know how I started. I just thought, hey, I should try this. Um, and so I did it a cappella with no music. Weird. So uh, were you? So that was interesting. That is weird. Uh, but were you like poetically inclined? Were you like keeping a journal? Like you don't have no idea why yeah. you wrote that first song? Yeah. So that's, that's, nobody has ever asked me that before, but it's true. I, I did love um, writing poetry like ever since yeah. elementary school. So I yeah. always loved poetry. Um, and then I, we always listened to a lot of music in my household. We yeah. went to a lot of, not just like, regular concerts, but Christian concerts as well. Uh, we did that all the time. So my parents definitely fostered a love for music in our house. Yeah. And so I guess I thought, I know, like, I know the song structure, gen- like the general song structure. I This was me in middle school. I don't know how I knew that, but I yeah. just thought, okay, I'll follow that and I'll just write about what I want. No, it's good. Um, yeah. Musical intelligence. So yeah, Were you, did you, uh, did, did you join like the church choir or, or, or at school, anything like that? So I never joined the church choir. I found that I couldn't pay attention if I was a choir. Like, I couldn't pay attention to anything except for music. But I did end up doing a lot of choir in um, high school. I was in choir all throughout high school. And that even, like, to this day, that helps me a lot with figuring out how to sing harmonies. Right. So when I'm, like, creating music now and producing the music and doing harmonies on my own songs, that helped a lot. Nice. And Um, were were you... Uh, at what point did you go back to learning a musical instrument? What do you What do you play now? 
So I play the guitar and a little yeah. piano. A lot of songs off of my, uh, like, a, a lot of new music will be written on the piano for yes. me, actually. But I went back to um, playing an instrument. I was uh, 18. Okay. I got a guitar for um, Christmas because I saw, funny enough, I saw Taylor Swift in a documentary <laughs> writing her music, writing right. her songs That's on the so guitar. Funny. And I thought, if Taylor Swift can do it, I can do it. That's so and funny. And so that was the start of everything, yeah. Then I really, really started writing a lot of music um, after I was 18, so wow. throughout college. That was the start of it all, probably. Well, you're much better than Taylor Swift, so there. Oh um, um, you, you you said you grew up in a in a Catholic family, so you always had yes. you know you were faithful and you went to Sunday. But something changed for you in university, didn't it? It did. Yeah, I uh, I like I said, I always really did love God, and I tried to put Him first and loved my faith. But it wasn't until I got to college, um, and I was surrounded just by like a pleasure seeking culture, like the cliche college culture was what I was in uh, my freshman year. I yeah. kind of dropped into that. And that's when I had to really make the decision to follow Christ and to lean on Him, because I felt so uncomfortable in my environment. Um, there was just so much comparison. There was so much, I mean, just impurity and, right. and going after things that are not of God, right, not good for us. And mm-hmm. so I just clung to God in that moment, in that season, and that's when um, my faith became truly my own and much deeper, much more rooted in Christ. Right. And that's when my music started becoming all about God. Right. I was writing more secular music before, but then it's like all I cared about okay. was really God at that point. What were you studying? Yeah. I was studying, um, I was doing pre-med, and oh. then I ended up doing psychology. Oh my gosh, wow. That's like yeah. totally different than studying music. <laughs> huh, cool. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, in case anybody is joining the program at this time, you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm speaking with our featured artist, Dana Catherine. She just released her second album, Nothing in the World. Um, tell me a little bit about that. We just heard uh, a song called Savior in Me. Um, tell me about writing that song. So I, uh, this is, I'll always remember writing this song because I had um, just signed with Rekindle Records. Yeah. Uh, at that time, so it was a few years ago, and they said, let's do just one song, let's let's figure out how we work together, let's do this, and um, they gave me a timeline, yeah. uh, uh, By you know, and so by a certain date, I had to have a song to them, and so okay. I was sending them all of these different songs, because I write, I write a lot of songs, I can okay. write like three songs a day if I wow. wanted, and I kept sending them songs, and they said, no, like, that's not it, I don't think that's it, maybe like change this, tweak this, and nothing was working, and so it was the night before the deadline, and I was stressed out because I had never had, you know, to write so many songs um, yeah. and kind of have them rejected huh. for a single. So it was hard. And I was asked by a priest uh, to lead praise and worship for adoration at his parish nearby. Okay. And that was the first time I ever did that years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I just went to adoration. I led people in, you know, singing to Jesus right there in the Eucharist. Um, and it was just the most beautiful experience I had ever had. Mm-hmm. up until that point, especially with music. And so on the way home, I, in an instant, came up with this song, hmm. um, which is not like me. I don't generally like come up with songs when I'm not with my guitar. Right. And it was really because I was reflecting on that experience and thinking, like, how beautiful is it that the Lord would want to work through me to lead people huh. uh, in worship of Him in this way? And at the same time, I thought, I am so weak. I am like, I'm such a sinner, right? Like, um, why would God want to use me in this way? Yeah. Um, 
And, and then the whole song is really about, you know what, we're all weak, we're all sinful in our own ways, but the Lord wants to work through us and shine through us right. in our weakness, yeah. you know, so people see our Savior in us. Yeah, it's so a beautiful, that's how I wrote that yeah, song. Yeah, a beautiful song. We played it at the beginning of the program, so if people miss that part of the program, they can always go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, and listen to the show from the beginning. Um, this is your second album. Do you, do you feel already, like, a difference or growth between this one and your first one? Like, what's different about this oh, one for you? Oh, definitely. So yeah. the first one, the first one was me just trying to, just trying to make music in general. It was a miraculous story, too long for this uh, show, but... Yeah. Um, I was never going to do anything with music. I never sang in front of people. I was too afraid to do that. So I got the opportunity to record that album, and that was all songs huh. that I wrote throughout college. Right. And then this this EP, uh, Nothing in the World, like this is much more of of who I am as an artist. Okay. Um, it's a much more like mature Dana. Um, I you know I've been I've been doing this ministry, music and speaking for years now, and I was writing songs throughout that. Um, so it's a little bit edgier, a little yeah. bit more pop, um, a little bit, honestly, more of what I listen to oh, on good. a daily basis. Yeah. So I definitely say it's more me now. Well, that's good. I like it. Um, really, really like the music. Very happy. Uh, shout out to Ali Alia, who uh, was the one who told me about you. So, oh, yeah. uh, so uh, thank you for that. Uh, uh, thank you for sharing uh, a little bit about you with us today. And I hope that our listeners are as excited about your music as I am. And hopefully we can oh, get you back you. on the show. So keep in touch. I'd love that. I'd da- love that. Thank you. Yeah, no, it'd be great to have you back. Dana Catherine, there you go. You can uh, find out more about her music, her ministry. You can buy her music and, and book her for your event uh, at her website, danacatherinemusic.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily at saltonlighttv.org. Here now is Dana Catherine with 365 days from her new album, Nothing in the World. We're listening to Dana Catherine with 365 Days from her new album, Nothing in the World, and that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you miss any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Southern Night Hour programs at southernnighttv.org slash radio. And remember that if you want to come to the Holy Land, Israel, Palestine, and Jordan with me, November 20th to December 1st, visit us at saltandlighttv.org to learn more. That was a good show. Yeah, it was good. Very eh? good yeah, show. Interesting. And uh, I, I, I want everyone to, at, at the very end of the show, I want everyone to, to pray for Hong Kong as yes. well. Yes. Yeah, you've My been hometown. talking about that since Allison mentioned it. And yeah, uh, yeah it was not a, uh, a good week for, for me as well. Yeah. Really, it's been tough. Yeah, yeah I know tough. for you and for a lot of people in Hong Kong, um, I guess we should always pray for the people that we talk about in this program. Yeah. Right? It's always, <laughs> always good to know. Um, if you missed that part of the show, you can listen to them on our website. You can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast off iTunes or the Google Play Store. Um, uh, just look for the Salt and Light Hour Catholic podcast. Also, contact us via email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, or via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Salt and Light TV. You can follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. Emily is at Emmy Callan. And Billy? At B. Joe Chan. B. Joe Chan. Thank you for being with us. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And this has been the, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.